Welcome to Charmaine Wilson, the Australian Medium Podcast. Good morning and welcome to my podcast where we are at the final chapter of Spirit Whispers. Um, chapter 15 and then we have a small epilogue after that which I will probably finish today as well. So this is chapter 15, the show must go on. When I, got my, when I got back home, I called my new friend Peter. I just couldn't get him out of my mind. He was delighted it was his birthday the day before, so he figured it was his mum that had made me call. He was so funny. He had told me that he had light eyelashes tinted a few days earlier. And then, Charmaine, I went to the Kiwana Waters Bowls Club for the bistro dinner. Well, Charmaine, on the way, the petrol cap came off my motorised push bike and I got petrol all over my handbag, he informed me dramatically. I was laughing out loud by now. There I was, standing at the line of the bistro when the woman in front of me said to her friend, smells like a truckie behind me. Well, Charmaine, she turned around and took one look at me and my tinted eyelashes and said, you're no truckie. By that time I was in fits. I don't know. The people at Kawana Water Bowl Club just don't appreciate glamour when they see it, he said. How I love this man. I promised to catch up with him the following month when I was due to do a show at the Maruchidor RSL. I mean, he was like a happy pill when I talked to him. So I affectionately, affectionately named him my Peter Pill. Whenever I'm feeling down, my mum used to say, why not get a Peter Pill? I went to see my mum after that for the September holidays. My son Jack loved his grandmother's house as it was a beautiful place on 93 acres with so much to do for an 11-year-old. My eldest son had long ago stopped coming. My eldest daughter had long ago stopped coming with us. It was great to get a break from the heavy touring schedule I'd put myself through and that break was the Sunshine Coast show. Uh, excuse me. After that break was the Sunshine Coast show. I just... I decided to drop in and see my Peter Pill and see if he would straighten my hair for the evening. I invited my friend Joe up to the show and to take a few photos to use in the book. I set off to Peter's place before meeting Joe. While he was up in arms as he took me on the grand tour, he introduced me to his rat, which he calls Mouse, but you must say it in a rounded voice like he's a mouse. As we toured the house, we came back, we came in the back door and two of the mo- and there were two of the most pathetic Recently styled and cut, shivering and shaking Maltese terriers. They were peering anxiously through the back door. And those, spat Peter, are the bitches. I couldn't help but laugh. That one is Gracie and the other one is Steffi. Oh, you would not believe what they have done. They are in disgrace and they are staying there until they learn their lesson, my Peter Pill continued. You see, Charmaine, I only have a little piece of chocolate occasionally. I like to place it on my bedside table, you know, just to have it when I'm feeling a little peckish. But can you believe those bitches took the chocolate and ate it, foiled a lot, and they got it all over my Queen Anne band's bread, and it looked like I've been menstruating all over the bed. I cannot think what got over them. I was in fits of laughter as I looked at these tiny villains shaking and clearly upset that their daddy didn't love them anymore. We finished the grand tour with me laughing out loud how I thought of Peter menstruating. After that was on to- onto the hair straightening. You see, he'd been a hairdresser afterwards. He had been a hairdresser. Afterwards, he had coffee and discussed my upcoming photo shoot. Peter looked at me and his eyes widened. Cream, he suddenly said. Oh, Charmaine, I can just pitch you in cream. You would look like an angel. Then he got up and proceeded to strike some model poses for me, showing me how to stand in front of the show that night. 
You could stand like this and like this, he said, all the while striking poses. I was in hysterics. It was a time to leave, unfortunately. We said our farewells in a flurry of air kisses. Needless to say, I did forget to pose that night, but something extraordinary happened with the photos. I don't still stand still for long, so it's difficult to get a good shot. The show had a special magic that that night with many connections taking place. So what did you end up with, I asked Joe as I stirred the coffees back at the motel. Not much, she said, except for this one with you on stage with your guide. I thought she was joking, but sure enough, standing beside me in the photo, I clearly see a male figure, aviator glasses and all. When you look at it closely, you can see how it happened. On the longer exposure, my own movements had blurred to make an illusion. But however it happened on the technical side, the resulting image clearly showed the Peter who stands beside me in spirit, my guide. It was weird. We couldn't believe it. The next morning, it was off to the beach to do more photos. Believe me when I say I'm useless when it comes to putting on makeup. We called Peter Pill. Oh, Charmaine, I'm much too busy. I have an electrician here, Peter Pill lamented. The poor man, Charmaine, he doesn't know where to look. He's straight man. I'm here prancing around in my satin short wrap and flappy slippers. I think I better go and change. The photo show went well, although poses I might, I just can't understand why the, the camera does not make me look like Alyssa Milano. Very disappointing. It was a sad time too, as Hot 91 called to tell me I would not be needed until December as they were in survey time and felt they needed to play more music. That's radio for you. I headed off to North Queensland because of my earlier trip I had arranged to do another show circuit and private readings. This time I was on the road for almost a month. I had contacted CFM Radio in Rockhampton in preparation for my first show where I connected with a lovely lady called Anna who immediately got me on, on air. The trip in April had been a sellout due to a great press write-up and this trip was proving to be the same. The Rockhampton show had almost twice the audience as the first one and the crowd was anxious. I know they all wanted to be read, but with shows so big, it was getting harder to please everyone. I was into my radio readings, quick reads, when I asked a blonde woman who she would like to talk to. She asked for her son. I had a, um, a little trouble identifying how he had died, but knew it was due to something around the head area. This woman was carrying a lot of guilt, as most parents do, and needed to be alleviated. Charmaine, your son has told me he died due to something in the head area. I can't tell it was what, what it is. He died from a cerebral hemorrhage. Um, your son is not alone. He has, has your father with him. Yes. He was a heavy smoker. In fact, that's what's responsible for taking him away. Yes. He liked to sing. In fact, he's singing and I want to go home. I think it's a banana boat. Oh, my gosh. He always sang that. I was still trying to get my head around the fact that they made me sing in front of 200 people. I gave her a heap of names which evade me right now and she was one happy woman. I really hope that that helped. The next reading I shall never forget, it was an elderly woman in her 70s. She was dressed head to toe with the elegance that modern women have not been able to capture. She was a tiny woman and when I asked her to stand up, she did so with poise and such a beautiful straight back. She spoke clearly into the microphone and when I asked her who she would like to contact, she politely asked for her mother. The first thing I saw was a nursing home. Your mother person passed in a nursing home. She said no. She's given me the initial E and says Edie. No, but my aunt passed recently and her name was Eni. Did she, this lady pass in her home? Yes. She seems to be taking the mother's position. That's right. She raised me. I have someone else here, a woman who, this is your mother. You were very young when she passed. Yes. She passed in an accident. Yes. She's given me a P like Phyllis. That was my mother's name. The lady reached for her hand at this point. 
She tells me you finally wear her ring. You didn't have it for a long while. Yes. She wants you to know that she has watched over you for all these years. And with that, the spirit sent love and pulled back. After the reading, the elegant lady came up to me and explained that her mother had been killed in a train accident involving the whole family. They'd actually been hit by a train and only she and her father had survived. She was just 18 months old. She'd been raised by her aunt Enie and she had recently renewed her vows with her husband. She had her old wedding ring and her mother's ring melted and made into one. She thanked me repeatedly and at that moment, I thank God for this beautiful gift that brings hope and closure to so many. Side note on that, that lady actually ended up passing away and I am still in contact with her husband, Fred. He nags me all the time. Anyway, I'm going to keep reading. I stayed for another few days and conducted private readings and it was off to Mackay. 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 Once again, the radio station Hot FM was happy to have me back, this time for two days leading up to the show. The show was sold out and we had to turn away many. Well, 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 as all I can say, once again I fell victim to my own hormones. In the middle of the third reading, I felt myself menstruating heavily. In fact, I was getting dizzy. And after that, everything went askew. What a dilemma. Women really do get a little harder. If only I was a bloke at that moment. Everything was offbeat. It was difficult too because you hardly want to announce as a whole audience that you've just gotten your period. I end up staying back and doing little one-on-one readings for an hour. I was very upset. I mean... All these people had paid and it was a total fizzle of a show. What could I do? I started the 12-hour trip home. By the time I had driven one hour, I had arranged to do a free show for all who had attended. The radio station told me about it and I felt much happier. I told everyone about it. I spent the weekend with my youngest, youngest boy as he was why I had driven home and I flew back up the following Monday. The next show was a success with 100 people turning up People started telling me how they were sure the people in front of them had received their reading during the washout show. Why didn't they just say something? (laughs) I now make a firm point at letting people know that this may happen um, and should it be the case, they should speak up. It was in Mackay that I got my, that I first started doing readings with a national radio show called Nelly at Night. It is broadcast from Gold FM on the Gold Coast to 40 regional stations Australia-wide. This was great as we conducted the show with a conference phone. That meant I could be anywhere in Australia and do the radio show from my bedroom. It was amazing really to think that people all over Australia were listening to me and getting the opportunity to ring up and be connected. I may have lost Hot 91, but I had gained a great opportunity with Nelly at night. It was perfect timing too. I was already playing an Australian tour visiting outback towns and now I had regional radio coverage. Did my guys love me or what? I finished off my work at Mackay and then had a lovely wedding to go to on the Saturday. Now, this is where it gets a little weird. You see, the day after the wedding was 23rd of October. And I was booked to do the show at Townsville RSL at 2pm. Whilst Manny was booking my flights and rooms on the 27th of August, she asked if I would like to fly to Townsville on the Sunday. The plane would have left at Mackay at 12 noon to arrive at 1pm. Well, that sounded fine to me. I was about to agree when my guide, Peter, said, hire a car. Huh? I thought about it and thought that I would be arriving at the RSL at about 1.40pm. It all sounded okay to me. But again, he said, hire a car or you will not make it in time for the show. 
I asked Mange to look into car hire. It turned out it would be more expensive than a plane flight. I was about to go ahead with the plane when Peter insisted again on me hiring a car. Okay, then I did. I told Mandy to hire a car. The day of the show arrived, I set off at 6am to make the long four-hour drive to Townsville. Everything went well. I got to the show in time and asked where the manager was. He called me shortly afterwards and explained that he had been waiting at the airport for his parents. He finally arrived shortly before two and it seemed his parents had still not arrived. The plane did not, in fact, arrive in Townsville until 2.10. There had been a medical emergency in Mackay and the plane was delayed for that reason. What really freaked me out was the fact that my guides had known on the 27th of August that there would be a medical emergency on the 23rd of October. I mean, is everything written down in one great big diary in the afterlife? I'm starting to think so. This really made me believe in fate even more than I had before. I had a great time at the Townsville show and once again stayed a few days to conduct readings. I met a young mother who had to watch her son pass of a mystery disease. He came through wonderfully. His name was Ryan. The young woman told me about a volunteer group called Compassionate Friends. The organisation had told her about me. The Compassionate Friends are parents who have lost children who help other parents who have lost children get through the black days of grief. What a wonderful group. I made a note to contact them when I got, to, got home to see if there was any way we could work together and raise funds for the organisation. I'd done a lot of work with the Girl in the Million and was now looking for new groups to work with. I was, all, I was also approaching Brave Hearts, a support group for victims of child sexual abuse. Long ago when I decided to change my life, my guides who I was, my guides who I then thought were people in this life, had asked me what I wanted to do. I had said I wanted to help kids who were physically and emotionally and sexually abused because of my own experiences. You see, in my time in the murky world of drugs, I had met many of these kids. It was heartbreaking. I could not get over how badly treated they were. So I vowed to help them one day if I could. I once again, uh, I had once actually applied for a youth worker certificate but did not have enough money to pay for it. It was after that that this crazy life of medium became apparent. I realise now that I'm able to help in a positive manner by allowing people to use my shows to raise funds. So I, so I was now to work with two groups. I flew home from Townsville and contacted both groups. Bravehearts jumped at the chance and, inv and I invited them to my next show on the Gold Coast so they could see exactly what I was doing. This time I was giving the entire proceeds of three shows to each charity. It was up to them to find the venue and secure as much free publicity as they could. I promised to help where I could by promoting the shows on the radio and in any newspaper article, article. I was also planning to take their promotional pamphlets and fundraising products to offer for sale at my shows. Why not help as many as I could on this journey? This was my main thought. The next thing on my list was to ring compassionate friends. I spoke to a lady named Marion, did a little reading for her over the phone. She promised to get back to me after the next monthly meeting and let me know. The show on the Gold Coast was next and I was able to broadcast this on Nelly at night. It was a wonderful show with two spirits that kept hogging, hugging, hogging the limelight. I mean, they did not want to get off. Both were dads and they loved to chat. Both their families end up squirming uncomfortably as in their seats as once again their dad took the mic, so to speak. 
One thing I've learned to do is just let them go. I really have no choice. It was funny. The night before the show, I was sitting outside in my meditation. No fancy green rooms for this Australian medium. Once I even changed in a toilet block at a garage and had to put my shoes down because there was, the floor was wet. Anyhow, I heard the spirit telling me how he loved to dance and that he used to go on cruises in life. He also talked about a big brass bell. I thought the messages may have been for my two friends, Emily and Karen, from their father. So I remembered them for, the, for after the show. However, it was one of the persistent fathers had been speaking to me and when he came back, I relayed word for word that he had told me, the bell, the dance, the cruises, the fact that he was from the military. His daughter, his daughter just nodded once again. I marvelled at the strength of some spirits to be able to give so much information before a reading. The woman, the poor woman was most embarrassed as each time I tried to read it another, her father would take me back to her. It was all good though as this was spirit love in its purest form. This was what people had come to see. Needless to say, Bravehearts was very excited about coming on board and immediately set about organising their first show. The next show was Remembrance Day show at the Girl in the Million Quest. It was to be my last show for the diggers, although I probably would do one each year for them on this special day. To this point, I have raised $16,000 for them and really wanted to help other fundraising causes close to my heart. I'll be forever grateful to Tona Reggae and other girls for helping me understand the best way to conduct shows and also for introducing me to radio. It seems strange that it was only a year ago that I had sat next to Ashley Mack at the Girl in the Million presentations where he invited me to do readings on air. Now I was a regular on a national radio show and about to embark on my first Australian tour. Everything was falling into place. We already had 54 venues ready for the next year and now it was all about to start. I'd also received the news that I was voted Australian Psychic of the Year for 2005 by the Australian Psychics Association. This association was working to, to promote positive guidelines for our rapidly growing field. Yes, I had certainly come a long way in such a short three years. I ventured down to Coffs Harbour and Warhope in New South Wales to test the southern waters. I tried advertising on television for the first time. It was also the first time in 19 years that I was going to see my daughter's cross. Yes, it had been a hard step to take. If Crystal had lived, she would now be 24 years old. And that is the end of chapter 15, and now I'm going to read the epilogue. So here I am at Kempsey Cemetery on the 24th of November 2005. What a journey life has been. I know I've only just begun the next leg. I know I've been voted Australian Psychic Psychic of the Year for 2005, but have been unable to tell anyone until the formal announcement is made. What an honour for a girl who always seemed to get it wrong. Somehow, it all turned out right. What have I learned in the past years of this life? I know one thing, I wouldn't change one step of the journey. Even the bad bits were necessary. They have helped me, they have, they have shaped me, made me learn, taught me about judgement and forgiveness. In hindsight, it seems that my life was tailor-made to suit the modern-day psychic medium. I mean, how could I know this society unless I lived it? Did my guides and maybe even myself set my life up to include so many pitfalls and lessons so that I could be a teacher in this life? As I look down at the small cross, I realise once and for all that my daughter has never left me. All I am feeling is annoyed at the bad spelling. I have seen her presence for the last five years intensely. 
it has been my realisation that she did not leave me at all. This is my mission. And my daughter, my brother, my father and grandparents have all been major partners in this journey. Without their tragic losses, would I be writing this story or would going around the country to reunite those in this life with those who have crossed over? I don't think so. They have helped me understand grief. They have taught me forgiveness and opened my eyes to the reality of love and purest form of spirit. Without their constant presence and that of my beloved guides, I do not know if I would ever have survived the ordeals that I insisted on putting myself through. The drinking, the drugs, the self-abuse were all part of this journey. The whole lot has taught me lessons I would never have gleaned from textbooks. I have been to the lowest depths that society has to offer with my foray into the world of amphetamines and have seen things that no eyes should ever see. But I learned so much while I was there. From that, I learned that there are people in society who need help because they will not or cannot help themselves. Hence my work with brave hearts and the compassionate friends. I do not think for a moment that I was not touched or even hurt by that world. But the most important thing is that I survived and believed in myself enough to get up and get out. And once I had my breath back, to do what I could to help. This world can be so selfish, but the lessons I've learned is that we all have so much to give. Those who gave me back my life after I thought I was ready to give up and die have been the greatest givers of all. They are, of course, my guides and my family in spirit. They have taught me how to see, hear and feel them. And with every waking moment and the whole way I was given choices on what I wanted to do. It was my choice to be a medium. I do believe that I was destined to be one. It was not the easiest of life. It is not the easiest of lives. Most people either roll their eyes or ask for a reading when I tell them what I do. I've long ago given up trying to prove myself. I realise it is not me they challenge. It's the whole concept of the afterlife. I had to learn to take not, not to take everything personally. I have received but a few human guides along the way. My friend Janet's teachings helped me understand and then go on to format her teachings into the Spirit Talk seminar. Mandy, my very patient and understanding assistant, may her patience last forever. Um, and last but not least, my own mother, who has, with so much patience and knowing, has been my central support system my entire life. The life of a medium can be very lonely. You have to learn to live with yourself and understand that old friends may not understand you or the work you do anymore. Some step back and it can seem that every conversation you have a role, evol, result, excuse me, revolves around this never-ending work. There are many that need your gift and many that you will never meet. The ones that I have met I know have been touched or changed in a little way by the process. Process is the best word because... The whole life-death wheel is a process. In these modern days, we have forgotten that death is a natural process and we must all pass through. We take it so personally, we have forgotten that this life is part of one enormous journey where we all fit and that we all have a part to play. It is my belief that the universe has woken up the mediums so that we can once again understand that we are merely spirit having a human experience. Why are we mediums on stage? There are those who believe it's all a rip-off and that we are preying on the vulnerability of those who are newly bereaved. I don't think these people even have given it a go or maybe they do not need to. Even people in our own profession think that those of us who choose to take the show on the road are wrong. I challenge these mediums to see how many people do change in one show and how essential the information that is given in these shows 
is helping a grieving world to heal. Medium me, who would have thought that my life would have gone this far? Who could have guessed that so many would be a recipient of a gift I have been given? People ask me about heaven and if I know what it's like. Well, I get the impression that heaven is only another dimension unseen to our human eyes that coexists with the world in which we live. We only have to open our eyes to the ever-present signs to know it is there. Live in the moment and love this life. These are the secrets. It has been a journey and one I embrace daily. It has caused me to cry, to laugh and to love. I have never been so aware of how important it is to think right and to try and do the right thing in every waking moment. I am an Australian medium and I am happy to be one. I choose to do this work in the hope to help many who have had to view their child in a coffin or to watch their parents take their last breath and also to help people gain an understanding that there is more to this life than meets the eye, to help people understand that all is good in the afterlife and if and it is there that we will meet and continue our journey once again. Our work gives hope to the hopeless world. And may it always do so. And there's just one more little bit to read. And that's this little bit here. Have you seen a rainbow fall from the sky? Did you see that angel lose her wings? Do you think that she will die? Have you watched your dreams disappear into a blood-red sea? Are you asking me if these things have affected me? Yes, I have seen a rainbow fall from the sky. I have seen angels lose their wings. I have seen too many little ones die. I have watched my dreams disappear into a blood-red sea. And I am telling you that these things have affected me. But I have always believed in me. She talks to angles. Oops, angels. <laughs> You'll come back now. <laughs> 